0: Welcome back for day three of our first week at our look at the book of Isaiah. We're gonna turn to chapter two today. First couple of days, Isaiah one, we looked at the fact that if we're gonna experience the change, the vision for change that God wants to see in our lives, it starts with us. But as you turn to chapter two, you see, you also have to look to the world around you and the change that God wants to work. How God wants to solve some of the issues, some of the problems, the struggles in this world. If you watch a TV police drama, somebody does something wrong, And within an hour, actually 42 or 43 minutes without the ads, they've got the problem figured out. They've they've got the wrongdoer brought to justice. It's all done, and it makes us feel good. But that's entertainment. That's not real life. Life does not work that way. People seem to get away with injustices every day. They, they, They do wrong things to us, to the ones that we love. Worse yet, they thumb their lifestyles at God, and they seem to get away with it. How do we handle it? How do we handle the injustices in this world? Well, it begins with our heart. God may have something for you specifically to do about a specific injustice, but it's going to begin, the change begins actually with your heart. Our first tendency is to react to injustice with one of two responses, anger and doubt. We just get angry. We just get mad at it. We want to do something about it, or we just feel this doubt. How could God let this happen? Those are honest Emotional responses, you need to bring those to God and listen to God. And that might be where we start, but we've got to end up somewhere else to be able to handle the reality and deal with the reality of injustice in this world in a way that brings change in us and through which God can bring change to this world through us. What's the right response? Well, the right response is always love. Love instead of anger. Faith instead of doubt. And in Isaiah chapter 2, as the chapter opens up, Isaiah reminds us, of, he gives us a picture of two places that we look to if we're going to experience this kind of love, this kind of faith in the midst of the injustices and the struggles of this world. He says you got to look at the mountain of the Lord and you got to look at the day of the Lord. Let's look at both of those. First, you've got to look at the mountain of the Lord because the mountain of the Lord is a place of hope. In verse 2, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So he talks about this place, the mountain of the Lord, where change happens. All the nations coming to this mountain, and when and if they do that, the swords, that's when this picture you've heard from Isaiah, the swords are beat into plowshares. They won't train for war anymore. What does this mean for us? How do you and i handle the injustices in this world today The first thing we have to do for our hearts is we have to establish our source of authority the mountain of the lord will be established we have to establish our source of authority who's most important who's most powerful in our lives what does it mean to be established you're reading these verses the mountain of the lord will be chief among the mountains it's going to be first It will be raised above the hills. It's going to be recognized as the greatest. Nations will stream to it. God's lordship is going to be declared by all. This starts in our hearts as followers of Christ. We've got to make this mountain of God's authority in our lives the first thing in our lives, the most recognizable things in our lives. The lordship of Christ is what we follow in our lives. God is first. God is greatest. God is the only ultimate source of hope. And as you read on, these verses say, he will become our teacher, our judge. He will become our peace when we beat those swords into plowshares. So the personal question behind this, as we apply these verses to, today to our hearts, is who's first? Who's greatest? Who's your go-to in life? Or what's first? Maybe it's something. What's greatest? What's your go-to in life? These verses tell us we've got to learn to live on the mountain of the Lord, to handle the struggles of the world around us, you got to live on the mountain of the Lord. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You live on the mountain of the Lord by living in the light of the Lord. There's this confidence as you live in the light of the Lord that one day His authority that we're reading about here, His authority that is established in the book of Isaiah will be seen by all. Let me ask you, is your greatest trust in what you see, or in what God says. That tells you your source of authority. That tells you the light that you're walking in. Is your greatest confidence going to be in what's happening now or in what God says will happen in the end? That tells you what your authority is. For some people, their greatest authority is is the news networks. That's a scary place to live. There's not a lot of hope there. The mountain of the Lord is established. God's authority is established as a thread through everything that we can see sometimes and not see in the end, it's going to be clear to all. Now, what does the mountain of the Lord mean for my everyday life? It means that the light of His Lordship shines on every experience of your life. Wherever you go, there's the mountain of the Lord. Your confidence that in the end, God's authority is going to be seen. God's Lordship is going to prevail. So when the world seems in turmoil, missiles falling, the stock market falling all at once, you look to the mountain of the Lord for your confidence. That's one of the keys to where your source of authority is in your life. Where do you look for confidence when you're struggling? When you go through the greatest struggles of life, when, it, when a child dies, you look to the mountain of the Lord for your strength and confidence. See, You don't have the answers, but God is strong enough even when you don't have the answers. When this evil... That's in this world, reaches out, grabs you by the throat, you look to the mountain of the Lord. You look to the mountain of the Lord by walking in the light of the Lord. You walk in the light of His hope, His future. You can live in the darkness of this world, and that brings only anger and doubt, or you can walk in the light of the Lord. That's the place of love and faith. So, in the injustices of this world, we look to the mountain of the Lord. But Isaiah also reminds us we have to look to the day of the Lord. That's a place of judgment. The mountain of the Lord is a place of hope. The day of the Lord is a place of judgment. Verses 6 to 8. You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They're full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines, and they embrace pagan customs. Their land is full of silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There's no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So he begins by talking about what things were like in Israel at that time. And the truth is the people, they had superstitions, they they practiced witchcraft, they were full of pagan customs, but they were also wealthy. They had silver, they had gold, they had treasures. It looked like it was working. What's just about that? It seemed like they were getting away with it. Isaiah reminds them this is temporary in the light of eternity. He reminds them of what's really happening. He says, they're bowing down to the work of their hands. And so in the end, all mankind will be brought low. That's a powerful statement for our lives. Think about what this says to those who make the material in this world, all that's important in this world. You're bowing down to what's not gonna last. Think of what this says to those who make their career, their job, their life. You're bowing down to something that has no future. Because Isaiah reminds us in verses 12 to 18 of chapter 2, the Lord has a day in store, a day that's coming. Beginning in verse 12, the Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, for all the oaks of Bashan, for all the towering mountains and the high hills, for every lofty tower and every fortified wall, every trading ship, every stately vessel, The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear. So he goes through this list the proud and the lofty, the cedars, the oaks, the mountains, the hills, the towers, the the walls, the ships, the vessels, all that Israel was proud of or that thought was glorious, he talks about here. And he says, The idols, they're all going to disappear. The Lord has a day in store. So when you think about the injustices in this world, the injustices are all going to disappear. The Lord has a day in store. If your trust is in idols, if your trust is in this world, the day of the Lord is a terrible day. But it doesn't have to be that way. If your trust is in the Lord, it's a wonderful day because it's when everything is made right, everything is made just. So we're encouraged to live in the day of the Lord. Isaiah 2, tells us how to do that. It says, stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why do you hold them in esteem? We look at ourselves in the day of man and we think we're so powerful, we're so important, we're so invincible. We're not in control of our destiny, Isaiah reminds us. We don't decide our future. Our lives are so short, it's like one breath. Why would you trust in that? The day of the Lord encourages us to replace our trust in man with a trust in the Lord. And the question is, would you rather trust that which will fail or that which will prevail? God's invitation to his people, to you and I as his people, it's crystal clear. There is a mountain of the Lord, and he invites us to walk as children of light in his hope. There is a day of the Lord, and he invites us to stop trusting in man, place our total trust in the Lord, because his plan is going to last. All these injustices, these unfairnesses that we see in this world, they will never last. God's going to have the final word. As we pray together, let's just remind ourselves of that. And just in prayer say, Lord, thank you that you are trustworthy. Even though I can't always see it in this world, I choose right now to trust it. To trust that there is a mountain of the Lord. Your authority is what will prevail in the end. To trust that there is a day of the Lord. You will set everything right in the end. While we're in this world, God help us to do all that we can to deal with the injustice around us, just as Jesus did. But let it never overwhelm us, because we know that it's not the end of the story. You, your lordship, your greatness, your power, that's the end of the story. That's what we trust in today. In your name, amen. Tomorrow, we're gonna see Isaiah giving us this picture of God's branch, who is Jesus Christ.